0: source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. I'm your co-host Ryan Williams. With me as always, co-host James Boyman. Uh, We're here post-match from the Everton 2 0 lost to Manchester United in the Gummy Bear Cup. Um, this was a big match tonight. Unfortunately, Everton has not made the semis in a cup competition since the 15 16 season under Roberto Martinez. Um, this is actually the first League Cup meeting with Manchester United since 1993. There were some good hopes going into this one. Obviously, we have some injuries. There are some other issues, but let's get our instant reactions. James, what are your initial thoughts? Disappointed, but not
1: altogether surprised. I think there was a lot of buzz pre-match about this being perhaps one of our most important matches in years and how important it is to win silverware. And while I understand that, I think you look at it in the context of how the season's gone off the back of three straight wins. In quick succession, not a lot of time for the squad to rest. A lot of injuries plaguing the squad, and so we trot out the lineup that we did. And United were able to make nine changes to a side that won six two at the weekend and looked as strong, potentially stronger, still keeping a lot of their best players in, bringing some of their really quality players back into the side. And we they kind of kept us at arm's length for the vast majority of the match, and we were never really quite energetic or incisive enough to really threaten. And then it came back to bite us at the end of the match and and they got one and we had to throw everyone forward and it ended up two 0 So hard to be too, too disappointed, but going into it, I certainly had high hopes.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, hope uh, is not a strategy. Um, No. (laughs) And, but yeah, ultimately taking a step back, getting a little perspective while I don't think this is the greatest Manchester United team. Uh, With the way we were depleted in the particular areas we were depleted, you had a feeling when they named their team, although there were opportunities to have success, I had a bad feeling it might go exactly the way it did when they announced the lineup, and sure enough, it did. Uh, But let's first get to the Everton lineup. Um, Not a lot of changes, um, but we did have a couple, and I do think they had some sort of an impact on the match.
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. So three changes by Carlo. He brings Robin Olsen in for Jordan Pickford, brings Seamus Coleman in, Mason Holgate dropping to the bench. And we had Andre Gomez come in in place of Tom Davies in place of Allen. Interesting choice by Carlo to go with Gomez, although I don't really think he had many other options. Maybe a little harsh on Tom Davies. I thought he did all right last match, but just looking at that and then you look at the United lineup, which I'll throw to Ryan in a sec, but just a, a vast difference in... The ability to rotate the squad and, and frankly, just legs in midfield and and quality (laughs) overall. It's hard to put it much more bluntly than that,
0: but that's what it was in my eyes. The wage bill on the guys they brought in off the yeah, was pretty ridiculous. And they did play some key guys. I mean, when I saw that they sat Rashford, I was pretty excited because Mm. I know how dangerous he is. Immediately, I thought, well, you know, back pairing that's probably not used to playing too much together, you know, Baye came into the side. Uh Towanza I thought would be interesting on the right, but he's young, you know, not su- not necessarily all that dangerous. But Bruno was in there, of course. Uh Pogba getting the start. And you never know what what Pogba is going to show up. And Vanderbeek, I think the biggest question that I had looking into it was, I mean, Magic was was really the only defensive mid they had in there, truly defensive mid. Would Vanderbeek play in the middle and Fernandez out on the right like they had in the past, or would it be vice versa? And really, you know, you look at it and you think, well, it's not the most defensive defensive lineup, maybe we could expose them, but it really didn't didn't play out that way um at all. Uh Fernandez really kind of roamed around in the middle, tight with Cavani, Van de Beek went way out left, which was kind of interesting. Um and we'll get into the tactics of it in a second, but I mean, it's an interesting lineup, but you said it very well. There's a lot of talent clearly on the benches, and we just don't have the depth, especially when you're considering the injuries as well.
1: Yeah, and again, I mean, you look at this, the changes they're able to make and still have, in frankly, Vandebeek, Cavani, Teles, all guys they brought in in the summer window and clearly provided them a little bit of extra oomph. Henderson as well coming in. I mean, ugh. It just it's it's a vastly different squad and as you said, we're not a good defensive team, but we didn't really seem like we had any kind of intention of, of trying to manage possession or dominate possession. We kind of reverted to the typical what we've seen in the last several matches, which is keep organized defensively set up in a low ish block and we didn't really have the legs to be able to pressure them meaningfully in midfield. And frankly, I think that was the deciding factor in the match. Uh, which I'll throw it back to you to kind of give us a little bit of a an analysis of what United tried to do. And just lastly, before I do that, I too was really excited to see Marcus Rashford um, bench, but it ended up almost benefiting United in a way and allowed them to be a little more multifaceted than they are typically when we play them in the league. We talked a lot about how they ma- basically just use Fernandez and Rashford and try to create through those guys. They found a little more diversity in how they attacked us today.
0: I think the difference is they bring a guy into the side that they bought and they didn't even really need in Vandebeek for 35 million pounds. Uh, that's the biggest signing brands has had for Richarlison. And he's had no one above like 28 beyond that. I mean, that's the type of financial resources you have. So even though they've been okay this year and not been absolute world beaters, that, that is the big difference. So so yeah, let's talk about how they set up. I mean, I I, I think ultimately... Uh, Matich. Matic, they, we conceded a lot of the time him and, and him receiving the ball, knowing that he's not that dangerous going forward. But problematic was, for us, was Andre Gomes is not the most possessionally sound guy. In essence, we defended in a 4-4-2. Yeah, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. <laughs> but really, what happened was, if Gilfian and Dominic Calvert-Lewin didn't shade down to try and prevent the ball either from the center backs or Matic into Pogba... Then it was going to Pogba, and he basically had the ball with all day, 40 yards from goal, sitting right in the middle of the pitch. And he just continued to recycle the ball, either played over the top in very dangerous fashion at times, or recycle it out to the right with Twanzeby kind of teaming up with Greenwood. And then Vannebeek, whose movement, I, I don't think he's the greatest player necessarily, but his movement is excellent. Uh, and just kind of feeding it down the left side, where Tellus was a little deeper to kind of support the attack. Cavani obviously was on the back shoulder most of the time, and there was a lot of movement. It was just very difficult to, for us to deal with. But ultimately, that still does not explain. The structure was not the reason. Um, well, the one more thing about the structure, too, is when we did win the ball and didn't try and possess it, their back line was pushed up pretty high. I mean, it's not necessarily yeah. a high line, but it was definitely a medium block. It condensed the attacking zone when we had it. Um, it was tempting to maybe try and play a ball over the top, but really we only had a, a, a short period of time where we truly possess the ball um, with any sort of danger. And I think that to me is what's most frustrating because you look at that lineup and say, geez, there's no one on that team that's going to win the ball very well. But they did come out with a lot more energy uh, and the first minutes of the match. Um, almost the first 20 minutes, you could see they were pressing higher, supported by that higher back line, and we were making an absolute mess of it from the get-go. I have no idea how we didn't concede in the first 10 minutes, let alone the first the first 20. I mean, that's as sloppy as we have looked in a long time.
1: I think that's probably the, the worst 20-minute stretch of Everton football I've seen perhaps this entire season. It was just... And you're right, Manu did pressure us. They came out the gates uh, clearly with fresher legs, clearly. But we shot ourselves in the foot probably half a dozen times within the first 10 minutes. I mean, we gave away five corners within 10 minutes. United just looked all over us. We had Michael Keane almost give away a really poor goal. Robin Olsen almost gave away a really poor goal. There were some really bad individual errors and some really easy misplaced passes, passes going out of bounds that should have found a man wide, all this sort of stuff. It was all them for the first 22 minutes, and in, in, I guess maybe around the 20-minute mark, you had Gilfie Sigurdsson beating two men in the box with a nice little dribble move, which I think was kind of a preview of how his day would go. Beat two men, couldn't beat the third, and almost got a clean shot away, but it was blocked. And then 22 minutes was when I personally recorded our first decent little bit of passing and buildup, which ended with an overhead pass to Seamus Coleman, who was running through with uh, DeCorey and Awobi involved in the buildup. And then you know we get that first little bit of offensive uh, intent, and then just a couple minutes after that, Mason Greenwood nearly scores on a header uh, on a nice cross from Alex Telles, and that was kind of the first almost half hour of the match. And you thought, as, as you said, miracle we haven't conceded, but finally, kind of green shoots of, of recovery and coming back into the match started to show.
0: I mean, they were it was eight shots to one in the first twenty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah, it was an almost, almost, I felt like it was a miracle. Now Olsen, besides the, what on earth is that little touch uh, where he almost handed the ball to Cavani, that was fairly lucky, did stand tall pretty well in the net at times, uh, probably did, did well enough to, to not concede. But then there was this very strange moment from about the 25th minute to the 40th minute where we had 63% of the ball. Think about that. I mean, how can you go from playing like that to suddenly look like you were in complete control? And the amazing part about it was we dropped our mids back and we really focused on just breaking out of the press. We were patient. We took care of the ball. They were running around like maniacs, and that was good. And that's when you saw a couple times where Michael Keane rushed up with the ball. You know what I mean? Yerry Mina, who's very good at advancing the ball, went up and, you know, he almost hit Richarlison running behind him and him and uh, Obie at one point switch sides um and there there seemed for a second it's like wow we have settled in and we might actually make something happen um and, and i think during that time when we were in control now granted we almost conceded right before half but at least that gave us when we hit to halftime a little bit of glimpse that hey you know we can actually maybe get something out of this match if we take control and we started pressuring them a little bit i think that's the right thing to do too but really so we got to halftime and i thought wow that that was there is some glimmer of hope um but it it really didn't get much better than that little spurt
1: no i think whatever happened at halftime i mean carlo you saw tom davies as the only man warming up on the goodison park pitch at halftime thought he might yank gomez at half he was that kind of just looked like he had cement blocks tied to his his boots just that slow and ineffective but that little period was good uh, i think ultimately we ended up both having two shots despite the discrepancy in possession so although we did kind of get again settle down and start to assert ourselves as far as possession goes it didn't create a ton but we had we definitely were better than we had been to that point then after half i feel like the It was kind of a stalemate for for large stretches of the the second half. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, intent from us. We didn't get forward all that well, but United kind of struggled to put together anything cohesive on the offensive side as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. And then I think that the biggest element of the match, it's funny where wasn't necessarily very effective. You know, he just Mm. in the final third couldn't quite beat his guy and just however, however, he's so important for us in terms of being defensive, pressuring, uh, and definitely in possession. He's so strong on that side. You can play him the ball. He can hold up play. He only had 17 touches, but in the 52nd minute, we had an awful instance of, I personally think, disgraceful behavior by Bruno Fernandez. And He obviously pushes the envelope very much with his play as times. Uh, I thought that was very irresponsible. He basically flung Richarlison into beyond rushing defender who absolutely clocked Richie he kind of went limp a little bit I, I thought he was almost play acting but i think he was out
1: yeah uh, i think so too. i
0: feel pretty pretty confident that he has a concussion um concussions are really tricky too you know the key is you can fully recover from concussions just fine but you cannot have a second concussion that's a real problematic thing they vary we don't know enough about them it's a scary situation he looked out really out too i mean it's one thing for a guy to get kind of dazed he looked pretty loopy almost like a hockey player he gets clopped yeah. in an open ice hit or something you know what i mean and and the funny part was it was easy to say well he, he wasn't playing that well anyway maybe we could have someone else with some legs um but i felt like it really just kind of hurt our shape um because we had a couple opportunities right after half how how there was no i mean that's one where unfortunately even though this is the richest league in the world um we continue to have maybe the worst refs of any top 5 league in the world and A no visible. VAR. Till
1: yeah. compl- so the semis do- what is this arbitrary decision to just hold off on VAR to the semis that seems just mind-boggling to me.
0: Yeah and look I'm not saying it was deserved but you know they and their their some of the play that they probably got away with partially because there's no VAR you have a good example of someone like Gary Mina who gets choked by Kevon. Choked, He gets choked, full out choked. Now are look, he are I I Now, if he gets sent off, it's not like we created that or, or did anything to deserve it, but you think the game's a little different. I mean, the guy had six shots on goal. He was really their main goal threat.
1: Exactly. And, and Andy Madley seemingly is looking right at it. He probably doesn't have the greatest angle or doesn't think there's as much in it. Thinks Mina is making a meal of it, but on replay, it's, uh, just nowhere near the ball hand to the throat kind of pushes him down and then Cavani turns around incredulously with his arms up like what is this I mean that's a hand to the face you can't do that that's a red card off the ball like that it just made it was, again why why there's no VAR I think we would have benefited from it today um very frustrating and then of course there was the hit on Richarlison which I think on review I don't know if it's a red but it's again it's a just Maybe it was from Fernandez, but kind of par for the course from him. We know he put in that nasty, nasty challenge on Allen when we met them in the league earlier this year. Great player, but just has that little bit of a uh, little bit about him that makes opposition fans really hate him a lot.
0: And the thing is, I, I don't I'm not one of those people that's like, well, someone needs to clatter him back. But today we were not aggressive. We were not physical. We'll get to the numbers in a second. That that had me a little peeved, you know, to me you're going to go out there and play, maybe we had tired legs or whatnot, but we were second to the ball constantly. We won no second balls whatsoever, no impetus. So it is a little frustrating. I mean, you kind of wanted to see someone absolutely clatter him um, in this rare instance without VAR, but knowing how he would have ruled it, he probably would have given us a red card. Frankly, the referee just didn't have control of the match. I then in the second half, really, I just thought he was just constantly missing calls over and over and over. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, like we're, Like Siggy would get kicked three or four times, lose the ball, come back, trip a guy, and it'd be on us. It just seemed like everything was on us. Now, look, they had the ball, the majority, the second half. They looked dangerous the entire time. Us not closing down on Paul Pogdo is just driving me crazy because we know how he can be. He can be flat out disinterested if you get in on him and stick him and whatnot. Everything was kind of running through him, and frankly, we have tried to cover for him. Bruno would get the ball; they were dangerous throughout. However, we did create a couple big chances sitting back that remind me a little bit of Leeds. Not in the fact that we had as many chances as we had against Leeds; we had a ton. But we would have these opportunities, like I think in the 69th minute, where that lovely little exchange where Seamus made a Seamus Coleman makes a wonderful interception, picks the ball lock from deep. Runs forward and does this little flick to Dominic Calvert Lewin, and he's just—I don't know if he was off sides or didn't receive the ball cleanly at all. I, I kind of wonder. Maybe it's legs with Dom. You know, he's played so many minutes. Yeah. um We even had that great chance too, where Sigurdsson flip it over to Awobi. Awobi sees him on a dead sprint, hits him perfectly with the cross, and he misses the header. Uh, that's one I thought we were going to score on. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Right. That's in the 86 minute. So think about it. if any of those go in, no one would have sat back and said, "Boy, we deserve to win this match." But, but it did kind of almost happen. So, um, and then ultimately what happened was probably the deserved results. Um, so let's talk about the goal Cavani scored in the 88th minute. Um, pretty good finish.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do it's a great, I, I think it's a great. Yeah. I don't
0: think we can fault Olsen for that. What do you no. think about Godfrey? What do you think about the defense? Cavani
1: has, I was really skeptical of the transfer of Edison Cavani to Manchester United, frankly, but. He seems to be doing quite well for them. He hurt us today. It's a really good shot. Could Godfrey close it down? Maybe not give him that angle. Sure. But I thought Godfrey overall had a pretty decent evening. And that's just a, that's just a, you, you know, you don't want to let the player cut in. You let him cut in. He hits a worldie. You kind of, in some ways have to shrug your shoulders and tip, tip your cap to them. It's a great finish. And i just the timing of it. Obviously at that point, we just had to start throwing everything forward and the game became wide open, bruno fernandez almost scores on the break we get forward again and then you know they put the nail in the coffin with martial off of an easy break three on two and the game's dead very similar felt very very similar to the league loss where they put it to rest uh with the late breakaway goal as we were getting forward but just just quickly i did want to make a comment about the crowd because as i'm sure many know many listening know liverpool the city of liverpool in the northwest region their little corner of the Northwest region specifically is now the only, uh, the only Premier league clubs, Liverpool and Everton that are allowed to have fans in the stadium. And you could tell that the fans were up for the match Um, early on. They were definitely singing, making noise. And then in the second half, as there were those couple missed calls by the referee on fouls, there were Charleston one in particular, that was that we know that nothing gets the crowd into the match more than the referee doing something stupid to anger everyone. But I just don't think we ever really harnessed that energy or or leveraged it in our favor. We kind of let them die down and and very frustrating afternoon or evening for all the fans who are in attendance today. But a loss is a loss. You kind of just have to shrug your shoulders and accept it kind of the same way you do with the Cavani goal, in my opinion.
0: I, I have a feeling that looking back on the Arsenal win, ultimately, Arsenal was not very smart in how they attacked us. I think we benefited from that. And I think Arsenal was just not very good, not to mention they were missing a lot of their key players. I mean, ultimately, a side should look at our lineup, see Andre Combs in there and attack us right down the middle. I mean, no offense. I mean, but he's not, he's being asked to play deeper. He's not really a defensive midfielder. Frankly, he's a terrible defensive player across the board. The things that he brings to the game are the ability to hold the ball under pressure, the ability to distribute both feet uh, from the middle out wide help our transition into attack, and he can go by someone, too. He's tricky on the dribble. Now, he's not demonstrating a lot of those things right now. I get that, and I'm not— It's tough to do that when
1: you have 30% yeah. possession, right? That's not the game you can play with Andre Gomez in the center of the park. And furthermore, when you have Gilfie pressing up alongside Calvert-Lewin, basically in a front two to pressure the back line of United, it leaves a two-man midfield of Decore and Gomez, and be might as well be a
0: one-man midfield at that point. Yeah, that's true. But ultimately, part of that possession, I mean, he's got to be the catalyst for sure. it, though, to an extent. Sure. And it's funny. You did see that a little bit in the, in the first half. I just don't understand why it never went back to that. I mean, the most success we could have had was with the ball. Like, there's no way. And you said it right. There's no way watching him try and defend in space was going to work whatsoever. I mean, there was at one point, and I'm sure I tweeted about it because I looked at it. I just shook my head. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The ball was way over on their left, tacking down our right side. Kavan, or pardon me Andre is standing over midfield you know the middle of the field almost into the left half space standing on the top of the 18 And, and that's fine never checking his shoulder never looking behind him showing absolutely no awareness whatsoever and Paul Pogba is just sitting there at about the 20 right at the top wide open. Now, thankfully, DeCorey closed down on, I think it was Vandebeek, who could have passed it to him easily, and I think our defenders on the right side did a decent job of preventing that from happening, but I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, do you not see that guy? He's 6'4", man. He's got that ridiculous haircut. How do you miss that guy? And it just, you know, you just sit there and say, maybe Tom Davies was the right guy. Now, not that Tom Davies is good in that arrangement either, but ultimately, that's where we're at. And that that was the problem last year, too, where people I'm sure people have not forgotten where we literally didn't have a single defensive mid. I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson was playing back there. Yeah, I will say this. I will say this. The one thing that I have to admit might be smart is as much as I don't want to play Gilfie deeper. If we're going to sit in against teams like this now, we won't need to do that in the next couple matches, I don't think. But if we're going to do that, I I think you almost have to play Gilfie deeper. I, I don't trust Andre and I don't trust Tom Davies to play in those roles whatsoever and look kudos to manchester united they knew the weakness they exploited it i mean you would have to be a dunce to not know that but only deserve some credit for setting them up in a way that was difficult for us to defend with our personnel but but i will say this and and honestly one of your favorite you know stats is looking where the shots came from and look they forced our shots from distance and we could talk about that for a second but i think you know what i really want to get into and that was the defensive effort
1: yeah the defensive effort i mean we have a a huge discrepancy and I'll, I'll let Ryan discuss it, but I did want to just not to pile on Andre Gomez or anything because he may didn't have his best game. Hasn't been playing well. I'm sure he's just as frustrated as any fan could possibly be with himself, but there was one particular moment when I think he was probably 20, 30 yards out and he tries to pass the ball into the 18 and he turns it over. It's intercepted. And he kind of gets into like a defensive stance because the ball is coming right back at him and he stays stagnant stationary and just gets blown by going the opposite direction. And that pretty much summed up his afternoon and has summed up his performances for the last several weeks. But yeah, if you look at the shot distribution, which we've talked about the last few episodes, I mean, United had 74% of their shots from inside the 18. We had 43% of our shots from outside the box. So that's never going to be a good stat. If you're giving up a lot of opportunities inside the box, incidentally enough, of course, the goal that made all the difference was scored from outside of the box. But they were just much more threatening and able to get in better positions
0: than we were. There's no question. Uh, but but yeah, getting to the point that I was making, is yeah. it's one thing to sit back. That's fine. I, I don't think that was the right play today, looking at how they set up. I, I think we had the most success when we did press high, and they did turn it over a couple different times uh, when our back line was higher, too, because they had no one really to run behind and exploit it, at least not down the middle. Cavani's not going to beat anyone. But the one thing that does peeve me a bit, and I remember watching it at one point in the first half, and I'm thinking, is no one going to attack the ball? Like I don't know. The mentality of us was to sit back and and concede space and possession. And that's fine, but there are times where even if you're doing that, you've got to attack and win a ball, man. You have to be still aggressive. It's not just sitting back and loafing out there. And so what irritates me is the numbers. The, The numbers that irritate me the most is, Manchester United had 65% possession. Fine. That doesn't bother me at all. You can control a game while conceding possession to the other team. Jose We've done Mourinho it three times J- in a row now, right? I mean, we That's right. Jose yeah. Mourinho's done it all the time. I, there's nothing wrong with that. So it, it's like Michael Arteta saying like, well, we had the ball the whole day. It doesn't matter if you don't you're gonna generate you're the chances. Gonna get what irritates me is Michael Arteta. Fine. Yeah, well, he's Michael <laughs> until he becomes the dashing Spaniard Mikel I mean, it's not like, I I mean, I speak Spanish for God's sake. Yeah, no, sorry Uh, to interrupt. Keep going. uh, (laughs) Miguelito. No. So what irritates me is, so we concede 65% possession. So at least you would assume, well, we'd have a lot more tackles because they have the ball. We'd have a lot more interceptions because they have the ball the whole time, right? How could they have any interceptions? Wrong. That's what ticks me off. Are you kidding me? They were 15 to 25 in tackle attempts. We were eight of 12. How can they have almost, how can they have twice as many, almost nice math, Ryan, how can they have twice as many tackle attempts when they've had the ball 65% of the time? Please explain that to me. How can we only have 10 interceptions when they have the ball 65% of the time and they have more and they have 12? What that speaks to me is that is pure midfield to me. Pure midfield. I mean, you you basically, and, and that's what we watched the whole time. Just hand them the ball. Bef- look, it's one thing to hand them the ball sixty yards from goal, knocking the ball around. Like if you look at the passing network, we love passing maps here on the American toffee Podcast. I think we do. Um, it's a cool visual. We do. We look at them. Uh, I think is are very important to us. You look at Arsenal, and it's just passing back and forth from center backs the whole time, out to yeah. David louise and, and fine, do it all day. We don't care. Have fun. This one, no way. I, I'm sure if I bring it up, and I haven't looked at it. I'm sure if I pull it up, it's going to be. Constant network, Matic to Pogba to Bruno, dangerous positions, all the places where you don't want to concede the ball. We were not compact. We had too much space between our lines. And ultimately, that's what happens when you've got... I I mean, honestly, Andre was a black hole. I mean, he's just not good enough and no one else kind of made up for it. And to Manchester United's credit, they pushed their guys very wide. Greenwood and... Axel were way right. You know what I mean? Um, and Telus played deeper, but way left. So the second it went wide, bang, Pogba, Bruno and Cavani were rotating in the middle and they had tons of time and space because why? Decore can only cover one or two guys. So if you have Van de Beek bringing Decore out, which that's who often he went after, suddenly There's a lot of space behind you. So maybe it's DeCorey's fault for pulling himself out of position. I don't think so. I think he was playing just the same way as usual. But ultimately, Dom and Gilfie Sigurdsson cannot be expected to shield and prevent every pass in to a defensive mid. And when there's no threat and we're sitting back, that defensive mid can step right up into that hole and we just got killed there. That's the biggest issue. But at least every now and then, man, kick someone for heaven's sakes. Even I know he's big and strong. Take him down. Hurt him. Hit him. Kick him. You know what I mean? You've got to try and win the ball because guess what? You may win the ball, come out with it clean. God knows the referee, madly wasn't making the right call half the time. Win the ball, hit a counter. You know, that's what's disappointing. Sit back, but you can't run forward. I mean, yes, Andre got his two fouls and congratulations. But really, I mean, that's what disappoints me. And I do think there was a lack of effort, a lack of aggressiveness at times, ball bouncing in the air, run through a wall and win it. And I think that was part of the problem. If that was a full Goodison Park I'm telling you what, man, the roar would have had those guys off on their tails at certain points. Um, Anyway, rant, rant over, uh, but it does disappoint me. That almost seems impossible to do. Um, And that's why I really hang my hat on the midfield being being the problem. And I hate to hang my hat on one person, but structurally uh, Manchester United now just gave the blueprint to everyone on how to beat us. Now, it should have been obvious. But um it's a concern going forward. We just we miss people and and JPG can't get healthy enough. But it's I mean, can we really rely on him? That was an epic, epic rant.
1: Epic stuff right there. Right? It's frustrating. I mean it's, like no, seriously, you're, you're man. Right. No, it's so frustrating when they have more successful tackles than we have tackles attempted and almost 70% possession. I mean, there's your headline. There's that's craziness. That's madness. Yes. And, madness. And and you made a point about DeCore where you could—he was everywhere. Again, he was all over the place. But being mindful of the fact that he's not playing alongside Allen, he doesn't have that kind of robustness in midfield alongside him. Do you think? I mean, I'm sure the the mandate from Carlo was get everywhere, be as disruptive, press. He was at times pressing forward, pressing the keeper, making these ridiculous runs. Would we have benefited from him playing perhaps a little bit more reserved and maybe not exposing Andre so much in the middle? Because I felt like again with that kind of Siggy getting forward more. And and Decore if he makes an ambitious pressure or something like that, then you're really leaving all that space. And you saw time and time again, Paul Pogba would receive it. No one within 15 yards of him, and furthermore, no one closing him down and just give him license to roam forward. And when you got guys like Van de Beek, Pogba, and Bruno Fernandez able to just kind of get around the edge of the 18, and in that final third, they're gonna punish you. It was amazing they didn't do it earlier. And we again, it's just it's just a deserved. It. We deserve to concede it at the end of the day and deserve to lose, which I don't often say, but it's the case today.
0: The only counter I would say is dropping a 4 5 1, drop yeah. Siggy as a third man into midfield. I mean, th- there's nothing says you have to keep a 4 4 line. You know, our issue in the back was the 4, not in the midfield. I think a third central midfielder dropping deeper would have at least pushed them. Uh, don't get me wrong, we would never have been able to get the ball out of our own zone. But at least you wouldn't have Pogba running rampant the whole time. Uh, but kudos to them—they spread us out well. Uh, they didn't give the ball away. I, I think th- that—that's. Yeah, I hate to cap off my rant, but apparently I'm still doing it. <laughs> when I look at the dangerous guys in the midfield, and the reason why I point to the midfield—it wasn't just the midfield, but it was mostly them. I look at the guys who had the most touches. The man of Matic. How many dispossessions did he have? One in 113 touches. Bruno Fernandes. No dispossessions. One bad touch. Uh, Pogba. No dispossessions. One bad touch. That, that to me is un believable If you've got the ball that much and you're making plays and creating, you, you haven't given up the ball anymore. Like, we're not putting any more pressure on you than that. We fouled Pogba twice. That's it. He had the ball 70-some times. He made three key passes. He was spraying balls all over the place. Bruno how many times we fouled him zilch i'm sorry Sweet that is not good we did it last time too that is not okay the second that guy gets the ball i know he's dangerous off free kicks I, I i clatter him man you have to get into these guys for heaven's sakes part of that though is the lack of numbers in the midfield and i do wonder if we dropped Siggy back deep and played four five one instead of four four two most of the time um I, maybe that would have changed or enabled us to do that so if you sit Decore back maybe you free up Siggy and Andre to go hunt down people, but really, you know, you're going to send them to either side. No, it's probably the right move. It probably is. uh, But maybe they would have picked us apart wide. I I don't know. Uh, You know, the thing is too, we also did have chances in the second half to take the lead. So um, I don't know. It's just disappointing. I felt like the issue wasn't there. We weren't aggressive enough overall. And I, I know down deep in the psyche of the scouser, that's, probably going to upset people more than anything. All right, sorry, ran is over. Let's get into some individual performances. Let's do it. Yeah, let's start Let's start with Robin Olsen.
1: Made 6 saves today.
0: He had that one
1: blunder at the beginning, the weird touch, but other than that, I thought he looked pretty confident, commanding. I don't think any of his saves were spectacular per se, but I also think that is possibly the most saves any 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 of our keepers have had in any match this season or at least up there. So Tip of the cap to Robin Olsen, Ryan.
0: Yeah, distribution was shaky, but it almost looked like it was windy out there. The Mm. weather may have been a factor. Um, But yeah, distribution wasn't perfect. No, I I thought he thought he was good. I mean, he's a a good keeper. You know, he's a really solid guy. Um, I don't know if he's a clear cut Premier League number one necessarily, but I don't know how well Pickford would have fared. Uh, Who knows? Um, And he wasn't going to save the goals, so you can't really blame that on him. I thought Yeri Mina, too, especially in the first 20 minutes, he seemed like he was the only person in the back that was actually defending whatsoever. Uh, two block shots, two interceptions, four clearances. I, honestly, I thought he was pretty sound, and I think at times he was one of the few that showed confidence on the ball. The longer balls maybe weren't as accurate as he'd like them to be. Part of that was them being aggressive and pushing up, especially on our right side. That was the other thing. They knew that we were going to be fairly reliant on a Awobi to attack and run at people, and they had people to try and Deal with that. Um, that's why Iwobi's probably in maybe the OK. He gave the ball way too much, but he was maybe our most dangerous player. What about Decoré? I mean, his passing wasn't great as distribution, but my heavens, he was all over the place again.
1: Yeah, disruptive per usual passing. I think he's like in the high mid 50s, high 50 percentage, not great. But no, again, no one in that midfield was. I fear for Decoré because I just don't think it's humanly possible for anyone to run as much as he has the last four games and still be able to keep going for the rest of the holiday fixtures that we have. And he's going to be the last man standing of the new man, new midfield that we bought in the summer. And so I, I am a little scared, but hopefully he's eating lots of pasta, eating lots of carbs. And I'd be shocked if he isn't rested for Sheffield United. But again, we can't really be can't really afford to be resting him really. Cause I think he's kind of the only thing that's tying our midfield together in any cohesive sense, but I thought he was okay today Borderline good, just for the the effort that he put in, the shift he put in, which is more than you can say for other people.
0: Yeah, I think uh, then it's a whole lot of OKs. Yes, you know, um, it's hard to say. It, you know, based on the first ten minutes, Godfrey was awful, as was Keen. But I thought Ben eventually grew into the game a little bit. Um, really, I, I didn't feel like they were that dangerous down the right side. Greenwood's a tricky player, and I thought he played him fairly well. You know, Twanziby kind of got up forward farther than maybe you would have liked. Um, part of that may have been lack of support from from Andre, frankly, and Michael Keane. Maybe that the, they didn't work perfectly together. What about Seamus Coleman? I actually thought he played a decent match. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about him. Yeah, we
1: certainly saw. I mean, it's great to see him back in the side, first of all, after the, the time away injured. I thought he certainly gave us more of an attacking impetus on the right hand side he showed a little bit of the marauding runs forward but we we're talking about this before the mat or before the recording and and you made the observation you don't think that Awobi and and Sheamus are really that great a pairing and i thought that was kind of clear today i thought they both tracked back really well i thought Awobi and we can kind of segue this but as far as Sheamus goes decent on his return i think he may be shaking the rust off a little bit and i'll be interested to see what we do going forward with the right back position, whether he stays in the side for for Sheffield or not, if we go back to Holgate, but he gets an OK from me. Probably could have done a little bit better with some of his opportunities, but he did that one run into the box. It's great to see him still being able to beat guys off the dribble with pace, with intent, even at kind of the twilight of his career. Doesn't do it quite as often, but. Certainly gave us a little bit more going forward than than Holgate has the last three games, although at perhaps the expense of of some of the defensive resilience. What about Bernard Ryan?
0: I mean, a couple of times he looked like he had some decent quality on the ball. He had a nice foul that he drew um, at one point in the match. I, I still think he's a good player, but I, I didn't see a massive a massive impact. Uh, a little disappointing. Re- really, all our subs. I mean, I don't think Tom Davies made us any more stout defensively Uh, maybe he took care of the ball a little bit better than Andre maybe I'm making that up you know I I, I'm kind of curious your thoughts of Dominic Calvert-Lewin too because look look, in Harry Maguire's defense um, he he is good in the air and he's a physical guy and and look the the officials were were letting them get away with a lot of the hand stuff so they could kind of shove Dom out of the way and alter his ability to attack the ball But often he was so isolated. I mean, if you don't have someone right next to him for a flick on or anything, I don't know how how valuable he really is. Sometimes he does not come back for the ball, but we never really had sustained possession to see him really get into the rhythm. Anyway, um, not his best game, but a lot of that I'd say is maybe lack of service. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, you can say that fairly often about Calvert-Lewin because he's not exactly a player who wants to do a whole lot individually. That said, he did show a little bit more of that dribbling ability uh, at pace a couple a couple of times but I, I he just isn't i think he's a different player without richarlison in the side to kind of draw some of that defensive awareness or defensive pressure away from the center so he can kind of make those runs into the box and as you said harry Maguire, for all that's been made of the fee united paid for him he is there's very few that are better just straight up winning balls in the air crosses into the box and and It was a tough matchup and gave Calvert-Lewin a tough time. I mean, last I believe last time we played United, it was Lindelof, and Calvert-Lewin kind of ate his lunch and did whatever he wanted. Not the case with McGuire here. Kind of shut him out, and I think Calvert-Lewin had 30-something touches, which is an okay amount, but wasn't able to do a whole lot. Didn't see a whole lot of the ball off set pieces. I think he had maybe one shot, one header off a set piece that was kind of weak at Henderson. Um, Not his best day, but again, the man never sits because we have no one unless you want to put Richarlison in there, no real depth of striker. And so he just kind of has to keep grafting and keep putting in, putting in the work and wasn't able to to do a lot of pressuring today either, just because of the way we set up. But he's a, he's a firm. Okay. For me, I wouldn't say he was bad by any stretch.
0: Uh, I, I'm going to pass on talking about Andre. I feel like we've beat up yeah, on him I enough. Um, uh, ultimately, you can see the difference in the side when Richarlison goes out. Not necessarily, it, and he didn't play necessarily well today. It's just from a structural standpoint. Um, I, I also don't like Coleman and Awobi. And the reason why I don't is I feel like Alex is better sitting maybe a little bit deeper, receiving the ball and running with it. Um, don't get me wrong. There, a part of it's just being in sync with each other. You know, sometimes Alex will take the ball, cut inside, and looks kind of dangerous running with it. That's the moment when he'd like to see a fullback kind of overlap and maybe get forward. You know what I mean? Especially if he has some support on the midfield side. Uh, But with Sheamus, he kind of likes to cut inside and almost attack in the half space. Uh, He's a little bit unpredictable. He's not the easiest guy to play with. Um, And he's also just lost top-end speed. I mean, at one point, Alex, I thought, played him through, and Sheamus just couldn't quite shake him. Um, but yeah, structurally, I, I do get the calls in January for that more direct player that can maybe attack and score. And and I think declaring Anthony Gordon that exact fit ready to come back in and perform the way Richarlison is, I, I don't think is the answer because of the physicality that Richarlison has on, on throw-ins, on long distance passes he can hold the ball up and help us pull the counter in but I have to admit it may be worth trying just to see if he at least isn't a speed threat to run in behind someone just just from a structural standpoint I I don't know what the deal is but Bernard is just not that same type of player and um you see and I couldn't help but thinking Bernard you know maybe Roma comes back in for him even though I don't understand where he'd fit on that team someone comes back for him in January maybe he's on his way out, but I do see the calls for another striker or someone that can attack in the wide spaces, or someone that can function as both. Because when your next center forward option off the bench is Cenk Tosin, uh, I think we've shown that he has not made an impact whatsoever when he's been brought off the bench. He hasn't had tremendous opportunity. But uh, if Richarlison's out for multiple de- multiple games because of concussion, I, I got to admit I'm concerned on how we how we set up.
1: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I have to bring it up because you kind of teed me up here for, it, but Alan Brody had a great tweet to us and he said, this is quoting the broadcasters. The response from Carlo Ancelotti is to put on Cenk close quote, are words you never want to hear. And we've heard them multiple times this season and it never really makes any significant difference or he never really has an impact. And to be fair, he's being brought on late, but it was uh yeah, just when that that just does not inspire any kind of hope that we're going to get any kind of late equalizer or anything like that. And it does just baffle me. And I agree, like people acting like Anthony Gordon is the second coming over Charleston or is like already at a consistent Premier League level. No, but it's just so bizarre that he hasn't been given a sniff, hasn't been given five minutes at the end of the game, although he guess he did come on the other week, but just hasn't been given any kind of consistent c- inclusion in the squad, much less inclusion on the pitch he has to be extremely frustrated with seeing a performance like this and feeling that he could have made an impact and, and I expect we may possibly see him against Sheffield United um that remains to be seen but I, I think he is a player that can contribute something to the side in the way of direct pace I'd rather we go out in the market and find someone a little more established a little more experienced but he's not a bad option to just and, and I think there's a tendency of people to like revert to whatever we haven't seen in a long time. And Anthony Gordon is a player we haven't seen. So people think that he might just fix all our problems if he comes in, which isn't the case, but very frustrating. I, I don't think we should beat this too much more into the ground, Ryan, but let's, uh let's wrap things up here with some of our listener instant match reactions that we got on Twitter.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, the last thing I'll say about the Bernard and Anthony Gordon thing is you can, I don't see how you can make an objective argument that Gordon is better than Bernard Mm. based on past historical performance. And it's not like Bernard's over the hill, but his performance did not make anyone jump up and say he should be in there. So I wonder if Anthony's, if you want a competitive environment, Anthony maybe should be on deck. So I think I'm kind of subscribing to it a little bit now because Bernard had the chance and I don't think necessarily was all that effective. But anyway, you're right. Let's get to the comments. Uh we had some great great tweets out there. Um let's start with Paul McAllister. People shouldn't read too much into it. A very tired team who had everything go against them. One or two definitely underperformed, but overall we never looked like winning. Move on to the next game and use this as motivation in the future. It's a defeat that hurts more than angers. I'm still a little ticked off, not gonna lie. <laughs> what about yeah. you?
1: Yeah, I'm more disappointed, but that one stat about the tackles really does jump out at you, and it's like, you can't win games like that. If you're going to be compact and try to prevent the opposition from cutting you open, then you have to at least pressure and intercept passes, which we didn't do, but I think Paul's right. Like Everyone was optimistic about the game. Everyone's a little disappointed coming away a couple days before Christmas with a loss, but we go again in a few days, and I think it's just... I just finished watching the show Ted Lasso and he says one of the things you got to have a memory like a goldfish. And I think the squad are going to have to put this one out of the out of their minds rather quickly and get ready for Sheffield because they're just absolutely atrocious and we can't afford to drop any points to them.
0: No, I think it's tired legs too. I think that's yeah. Paul's probably best point, And that may have had something to do with the lack of impetus and, and aggressiveness. You know, if your legs aren't there, you know, it doesn't matter what your mind says sometimes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all right. Next comment. Let's go with uh, EMZ M's the Gafa eleven. We've had him uh, on here before. First thirty minutes, we were lucky to be zero zero. Uh, yeah. Um, Cavani should have seen red. Fernandez could have gone for that push that sent richie into bite. Don't get me wrong; we didn't deserve anything. But my god, the referee was absolute dog muck. Um, I'm I think I'm not sure I know what that means, but I have a feeling serious lack of depth off the bench. Yeah, I, that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you've got debatably. When Richie goes off, you have debatably your four best players out. Sorry, Dom. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that Luca Dean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, maybe you could make an argument. Other than that, it's Richarlison. Alan certainly is important a player we have in Hummus. I mean, those guys are as good as you get. Yeah. I mean, they, we didn't have a Marcus Rashford on the bench. Let's, yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's a massive. And you know, that's the difference, too. I mean, like I said, they could just throw thirty-five million on a backup center mid that doesn't even play that much. I mean, that's that's the biggest fee that that would be the biggest fee brands has paid for anyone, and that that's the difference, you know, in terms of just depth and numbers.
1: Yeah, let's a uh, couple more comments here. So we have at newbie blue almost always positive said people can vent at Davies all they like. Nobody from our side save Olson and possibly Keen slash Mina slash Decorre slash Godfrey Godfrey question mark. Came out of this with any credit. I, I think that's probably fair. I think that the back line kind of held it down. We talked about all these players already. Keen settled into the match nicely. Awobi maybe deserves a little more credit. I thought he put a shift in and was relied on a little too much to, to do a lot of the work in the final third. But overall, I think that's a fair comment. I don't think Tom Davies... If you're going to direct your anger at anyone, I don't think it should be Tom Davies. I think it was just a collective meh game from everyone in the side and with good reason the fact as you said we're missing probably our four best players at least four of our best five
0: and i think uh, ped puts it in perspective the best i thought our brother in toffee tv um no complaints we need better players that's up to brands and the board now and he's right you know if you look at it you know we did the episode on brands not too long ago we really haven't spent that much money um compared to our competitors and it's going to be a bit of a process still we've still got guys on the books who are not good enough, uh, who are still very expensive. And and that's really what it comes down to that don't necessarily fit what Carlo wants to do. And so those particular areas where we don't have that backup quality, um, you see it. And, and look, I mean, injuries are brutal, but, you know, Allen leaves, even Fabian Delph would help as more of a defensive midfielder to pair with Decore. And when those guys are out, JP Bamine is another one. I mean, how many teams realistically can be out three out of their four best central slash defensive midfielders. I mean, really do most teams have four guys that are really solid and stout defensively in the midfield? No, they really don't. I don't even think Manchester United does. Um, That's a massive impact on a team like ours who've been behind the financial player fair play eight ball and and are still stuck with some underperforming players. January's coming up. I think we're going to do some business. It'll be very interesting to see what we do. Um, but anyway, man of the match shouts, I'm going to let you go first because I seriously have no idea. Yeah, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I think I'm
1: going to go with Robin Olsen. And it's you could make an argument for any number of players, but I think the fact that he kept us in the game early when we were facing that onslaught of shots and corners was encouraging and nothing he could do about either goal. So other than that, I think every other player had some pretty costly mistakes Um, yeah, he's going to be my man of the match in lieu of any legitimate contender, Ryan. How about you?
0: He's probably the best shot, but I'm going to go with Yeri Mina. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he was amazing, but I think at times considering what was going on around him, I thought he was, he was pretty good. I mean, he at least showed some courage in the back, um, blocked a couple shots that were very important and really was the only one kind of positionally astute. I mean, they, they really didn't produce too much danger from that side and they had some overloads over there as well. It wasn't just the two man attack that you saw on the right side. um So, I guess I'll give Yeri the one he- hesitantly. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just there there weren't a lot of people that shrouded themselves in glory today. So, anyway, all right. Final words, Hamas.
1: Yeah. So my final thoughts are just trying to reflect before the holiday and think about where we're at this season. And you know, we started the season off so brightly with that first eleven that was consistent through the first several games we're top of the table everyone's spirit of the blues and we're winning the league and then we hit a rough patch we got some injuries and we until now we have not really seen that same 11 that won us all those matches so the fact that carlo Ancelotti has been able to kind of muster up and scrape together sides that have gotten some very impressive wins against some decent sides we've lost some games that we should have won of course but that happens all the time in this league just the way it is especially this year so I don't think anyone's going to get too, too upset about this bar. Like the, the dark corners of Everton, Twitter and the online sphere. I think we just kind of have to accept that when we're hurt, we're not that good and we're not that deep. And that got exposed today very effectively by a side that does have depth and are, I believe what third in the table right now. So nothing to uh, turn our noses up at or I think get too upset about, but we, we, Look forward to Sheffield United, and that is a really massive opportunity to get right back on track as far as the league's concerned. We don't have to worry about the League Cup anymore. We can turn set our sights on the FA Cup. And on we go, Ryan. How about you? Final thoughts on your end.
0: I'm concerned if for Charleston's hurt yes. for any duration, uh that that is upsetting. I mean, I know the fixtures are frequent right now, and Everton in particular has a tough draw in terms of time and space between games uh so that has me concerned but no i'm not surprised that we didn't get kind of taken apart the way we did today uh, i think the matchup is better against sheffield we'll see who can get back help us jpg You're our, our only hope uh, no I, I i i think really the key is getting to january i think getting a player or two in could really just one or two players could really make a massive difference in the side um, but we are where we are right now and look even if we went on to win this thing, I know we're all dying for a trophy and it's really stinks to not go into the semis. Ultimately, even if we win it, you know, what does that get us? It gets us in the third competition, really, uh, in Europe. So sure. I, I, I think the FA Cup would be amazing. It's not out of the question if we can get some people healthy and we get a decent draw. But Right now, we're, we are where we are. And I think Carlo may have to drop some wizardry. The one thing I would suggest is going forward is I think at this point, Depending on Bameen, I think he has to look at Godfrey to play defensive mid. I think he's got to put someone else in there that's stout, that can actually cover some ground, that's athletic, that is responsible. Free up to Corey to get up the pitch a little bit and be more aggressive. Um, I think we play better that way. And I think you simply move Mason Holgate over to left back. Um, or against Sheffield, you know, you you play in Kunku and send him flying up the pitch, knowing that you have a defensive mid on his side that will be responsible, can drop it in and cover for him. I, I just don't see. I just Tom Davies and Andre Gomes against any team that can control the ball at all or is competent or organized. They're going to pick that apart. Those guys are simply not good enough to play at least in a two man midfield. Um, and if it's a three man midfield, I mean, do you feel a lot better putting Gilfie Sigurdsson in there as two of the three? No, I don't. I'm hoping he thinks about that. Uh, I don't want to see Mason Holgate in defense mid. I don't think he has the game for it. And he's played it once, twice, I think in back-to-back matches. Um, uh godfrey's the one who has all the experience doing it it's not like he played amazing at left back today i know he's doing okay there and maybe he's comfortable uh but ultimately we've got to do something we cannot let teams continue to pick us apart against sheffield we cannot be sitting back and playing this way and if you have godfrey in there no we can't and we got to play differently against a team like this we have to break these guys down and score lots of goals and win if that's the case you can put hamez in the middle you can you put godfrey and DeCore behind him let him go and create. Um, and let him be. And I know people may be upset that Gilfie Sigurdsson would be out of the team. But look, he's not a good possession player. He's just not. He's played a ton. You can put him off the bench if you really want to. It's just I don't see else it's a solution. And I think at this point, maybe giving Anthony Gordon's a look just to get some legs out there.
1: One last word of just, I guess, slightly uplifting news. We did see video of Luca Dean seemingly recovering really well from his injury and in Carlo echoed that in his pre-match presser for this match, uh, saying that he's recovering much quicker than they expected so the sooner we can get Luca back, the more stable our back line can become and hopefully provides a foundation for us to kick on and continue to keep up this form in the league, which is super important, but for today, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. If you're listening to this before the 25th, before Friday, hope you have a very Merry Christmas. If you're celebrating, if not, I hope you have a wonderful time doing whatever it is you plan to do over the next couple of days. Um, Other than that, Please be sure to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on all of our socials. You can find them all at linktr.ee slash USA toffee pod. Join our discord invite.gg ATP. And until next time up the toffees.